Scarlet. We always have one third of Frankly Scarlet. That's me, on the Robin show. Hitchcock. But we, today we also have Liz Labaz. Hi. And Abby Feuder. Hello. This week's movie is The Devil's Advocate. Somewhat of a turning point for Charlize in her career. Absolutely. Mm. I think, mm-hmm. and I, indeed for a few people in it. Do we have one third reviews prepared? Absolutely. All right, I'm... and you can go first. Let's do it. <laughs> 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 I wish you had a gun first. <laughs> There's no way to top it. But my yeah. ones on review is generally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then mine would be. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> mine would be. Disturbing without being like really. I think there's a lot of spectacle in it. Well, it, let's discuss the plot a bit. So sure. we're actually going to turn the mic to our guests, Liz and Abby, to summarize this film for you. I'll start. I'll start. You start. <laughs> no, you're alphabetically before me. Go ahead. One more uh, time. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Can we do that for like thirty seconds? <laughs> <laughs> the Devil's Advocate is a movie about. Keanu Reeves becoming the most evil <laughs> lawyer you ever saw. <laughs> the end. That, that was really close. Okay, so yeah. that's fantastic. Thank that you guys. Not what the movie is. <laughs> All right, let's hear what it's actually about. Okay, so we open on a courtroom scene. Uh, where Keanu Reeves is just a, a real southern lawyer, we can tell. A hot shot, if you will. A hot shot, yes. And we're at a case of a, of a possible pedophile, and we learn very early on in something that I'm trying not to go off track, but I never noticed it before today. Me either! That that's how we knew yes. that he was guilty fondling the desk. He literally has his hand down his pants. Oh no, I didn't see that! He starts by fondling the desk, and then you see mm. his, his hand in his yes. fly. Yeah. I didn't notice that either, I, and I'm wondering if I've just watched an edited version. I bet you have. Watched oh, I do version. remember watching the, the real version because of the nudity. Yeah, so, I've seen Naked Charlie yeah. as many times. And so just to clarify, for a second. He's in a courtroom and a young girl is on the stand talking about being molested by her teacher and he's the teacher's defendant and he being Keanu. And he looks at the defendant who is fingering the desk like reliving the moment of touching the student and also himself. Yeah. And I think when I saw this movie in high school or middle school, that flew right over my head. I was like, what's the... Also I was like, dude, you have no chill. Right. Wait (laughs) one minute. There's gonna be a recess soon. Right. You can whack it in the bathroom. so gross. It's Frank Sabaka, which is also upsetting. Yes. He's, uh, he's, the he, he's in the second season of The Wire. Mm. And the girl the is Heather Matarazzo from Dollhouse. That's right. Welcome, Welcome to, to that. That's right. Yeah. I thought that was like Robin's a brief. That was literally <laughs> me conflating the titles between Matt and the Joss Whedon series. I thought you were conflating it with Ibsen, because I'm a dork. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyways, we're doing good. Okay, I just had to say, like, that was the only thing I saw today in the viewing that I was like, I've never it seen is, that before. It is very, I do think it is cut out of edited version. Oh, I'm oh, sure it but is. But I know I've seen an unedited version because I yes. remember being scandalized by the nudity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he's a hotshot lawyer. That is set up very quickly to give him a crisis of conscience. Mm-hmm. And he has never lost a case. And he knows that, and so basically, you can see him take a moment to decide, and he does the evil thing, and humiliates this girl on the stand, and uh, wins the case. Just pause us for a second. Yes. <laughs> Are you going to get lawyerly on us? I am unfortunately going to do that. This is one of my least favorite tropes. There's an episode of Perry Mason where he realizes his defendant is guilty, and so he exposes her on the stand. There's an episode of Matlock. Primal has... fear. Yeah, okay. That is not what lawyers are supposed to do. That's it's not unethical. their job. That is unethical. That is... I mean, I don't want to say it's You mean evil. he did the right thing. He did the right thing. So there... Okay, so let's get into some lawyer ethics yeah. on this <laughs> Charlie's Throne podcast. But there, I think it's not just that he doesn't expose him, it's that he goes full force after this You girl. are meant to be a zealous advocate for your client. Okay, I mean, he is cruel to that girl. I... I do not feel like what he did was, I thought what he did was appropriate lawyering. There were a couple, I mean, like, if I were opposing counsel, guys, I've never practiced. If I were opposing counsel, I would have been objecting the shit out of what he was doing. Right. He does object a lot, and he gets overruled. Right. And I don't know if all of those overrules are appropriate. Like, they do, they ask her, like, at one point, he's like, it goes to credibility. And I'm like, I don't really think think that's bias. Yeah. But what Keanu does is not bad. It's not evil. I think is that not the central question of this Uh movie? Yeah, I mean, I think that a big part of this film is that, like, you saying, that's what a lawyer should do, a big thesis of this movie is that lawyers are evil. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, it it is. I think that, like, it's it's very, it's very like, oh, can you believe it? The devil's a lawyer. (laughs) Of course he'd be. <laughs> That's what the movie's saying. So yeah, you're, sorry. Like, you can, I'm a secretary, <laughs> right? And like, and I mean, you know, not to get topical, but I think you can look at today the world and see that like you can work well within the bounds of the law and do things that are perfectly legal that are immoral. Yeah, I know that. Anyway, all right, just my little bugaboo. It judging someone for being an effective lawyer is troubling for me. I also think it is an easy target to be like, defense lawyers, what scumbags? Right. And it's interesting that he was previously a DA, mm-hmm. which just sort of gets mentioned briefly, mm-hmm. and then I find it more objectionable that he was a DA who refused to plead out. Yeah. I'm like, that's fucking evil. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That That is evil. Because the whole point of the reason that we have plea bargains is to save the system the trouble of trying guilty people. What's evil is wasting the taxpayer's money. I was saying that and I feel bad The spirit bad of it. Mike Rubino just came <laughs> into your mind. <laughs> Seriously, like that's so. But also, I can't. Imagine. Some people want to play out. They're like, "Yes, I did this. Right. I would like I, to take a I plea. Be done, and I don't want to like drag my family through this. I don't want to like. Not exactly. every crime needs a. Trial. If you want to think about it as on a smaller level, like if a parent was like, oh, "I think maybe you stole money from my wallet. We're gonna have a trial." No, no, no. I did it. I did it. Can you give me my punishment? No, we're having a trial. No, we're going to have a trial. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those things show that his his crime is not being an effective lawyer. It's wanting it, to win at all costs. Is his sin vanity, perhaps? Oh! Is it possible that he has a fatal flaw? Oh, I don't maybe. know. Let's find out. Okay, okay. so back to the... So, so he wins the case. So he wins the case, and then they go to the bar to celebrate... Along with their, I just want to mention, because it's important later, it's the two of them, I want to say Keanu's, like, co-lawyer. There's four of them. And then... Co-counsel. Co-counsel. Yeah. And uh, their buddy in the press. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who, importantly, is the person who kind of eggs Keanu on when he takes a break. Oh, that's true. When he's deciding what to do, the press guy's like, hey, listen, can't win them all. Wink. Right. And that is sort of the moment where you see Keanu decide to do what he can win it. Right. Yeah. So they're all drinking, having a good time. Keanu bites Charlize's butt on yes. the dance floor. It's so fucking hot. Yes. I have notes. Oh, we haven't talked at all this. yet about her amazing lady suit. Yes. Or her Hair. perm. She's right. got a bitchin' blonde perm. Yes. yes. So, okay. Well, I'm done talking about that now. Uh, so then Keanu goes to the bathroom and a black lawyer, I bring it up because 
they he brings it up. Very awkwardly. Very awkwardly. There's a lot of weird race stuff yeah. in this movie. Basically, this guy's like, hey, we've been following your career. Uh, here's my card. We want you to come to New York. My firm, my very expensive, rich New York firm, wants you to come to New York and pick a jury for us. We hear you're very good at picking juries. And um, we'll pay you no matter what. And basically, he decides to go. Um, the only other thing that happens before then is he does check in with his mother before he leaves, who is a Bible-thumping... Super uh, religious. Super very religious. In, in, in like a, you know, a revival type church and basically shouts some Bible verses at him before sending him on his way. Yes. Romans 16, 19, 10. What the hell <laughs> What happened? was that? That's the song they are singing in oh, the church. Do oh. you know it? No, I should oh, remember it from the movie. Oh. <laughs> it was catchy as hell. I was just going to say, I'm like, that is the most interested in Bible verse I've ever been was that-, that scene. Bible verse you just sang, the one, the sheep wolves one, or no? No, I think they talk in the song. The song is them just reciting yeah. the Bible verse. So, so he, he heads off to New York. He heads off to New York. They show him picking a jury, in which case we see that he has this very strong intuition about mm-hmm. who is going to be for them and who's going to be against them. Also racist. Also racist. The the One of the big shot lawyers, who turns out to not be important at all, is like, who's this kid? Like, either this kid goes or I go. And the first time that we see that this law firm is, like, gonna get his claws in him is they're like, you walk. We we have Keanu Reeves' back. Yeah. Kevin. His name is Kevin. Kevin Lomax. <laughs> Kevin Lomax. Like, they're like, we're backing his play. So then he meets uh, with all these fancy lawyers, and we f- he finally meets... Milton, John Milton, who is Al Pacino. He's the big guy. Like, he's, he's the big, the big boss. boss. He's the big yep. boss. And they have a meeting uh, in his very fancy office where John Milton basically offers him a job and says, like, do you want to say anything? Oh, and I don't know if anybody else looked at IMDb trivia today, but that outside patio mm-hmm. is not a green screen. Yeah, it's a real place. It's yeah. a real, like, 50th floor of a New York building, yeah. which I, which is crazy because it looked very fake to me. I was also <laughs> going to say that in, spoilers for Ebert or Mieber, this isn't the quote that I pulled, but in Roger Ebert's review, he takes 38 words to talk about that infinity pool. Wow. Because I guess he hadn't seen one. Right. And so, because that wasn't always it wasn't a, thing. a thing. And so he's like, this is fucking amazing. And the production designer deserves awards. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this is just a real I think location is yeah. 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 The architect. Yeah. I think that's why I originally balked at you saying there's not much spectacle in this movie, because Ebert's review is basically like, it's mainly spectacle. Yeah, that is oh. true. He also yeah. said it's or he loves the spectacle. Yeah, he talks, he's like, at the end, he's like, if there, everything else in this movie were as good as the production design, this re- review would be more positive. I think we should do Ebert or Mebert. So All right, let's do it. Okay. I, Abby, I don't know if you can tell my voice yet, will not be playing this because I read Cheated. the review today. I actually didn't know, I don't, I, for some reason I forgot this was a segment. I just often, when I watch an older movie, will read the Ebert review. So do I. That's why this I think is that a Rob and I are both like super fans of Roger Ebert. I am definitely a super fan. All right. Devil's Advocate is neither fish nor fowl. It is not a serious film about its subject, nor is it quite a dark comedy. Uh, Ebert. I also say Ebert. I'll say Mebert, because then we get both options. It's an Ebert. I know, I'm always <laughs> wrong. I had, to, I had to just, I mean, that is the perfect description of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't make something up when that was available to yeah. me. So, Kevin uh, speaks with his wife, Charlize, about whether or not they want to stay and go home. And she initially is extremely enthusiastic about staying. She kind of notes that their prospects back in Florida are They're bad. They're wooed by this amazingly big apartment. Yeah. They, I mean, it's just a ridiculous apartment. The people that show them the apartment are also involved with the firm. And they make it very clear that them being offered this apartment in initially, like, when they first joined the firm, is very weird. Like... It took us six years. Wow, he must really like you. It's the black lawyer who made the offer, the character's name I can't remember, and then his wife, played by Tamara Tooney. Yes. Who's from McKeesport. Yeah. She went to CMU. I fucking love her. Yes. She's also Uh, on Law Order. Yeah, she's on SVU. The coroner or whatever. She's brutal. Oh, that's what I know her from. They they say it's mostly a... Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just... Just she spoiled has, a point. Of, I'm sorry. Uh, we were just talking so about her a lot, so I thought I'd throw in the fact there, there that she has big, beautiful nipples. Big nipples in this movie. Yeah. No, we're not talking areola, guys. We're talking nipples. No, we're, we're talking <laughs> length of your nipple, length and width, jutting out into the sky. Yeah. So uh, things start to get weird for Marianne 
Charlie's Charlie's. She starts to hang out with the other wives of the partners. Tamara Tooney. Tamara Tooney and another other woman. We're the ladies who lunch, right? They go out shopping and they spend, you know, they make this big deal of we never see our husbands, so we're going to spend their money. Um, and they try and kind of fold her in. And she is almost immediately weirded out. And, and they give her shit about the color that she paints the apartment. But they do it so perfectly. Yeah. So she's like, and about- like big project is like, I've got this big empty apartment and my husband is going to go be an important lawyer, but I have to like fit in in a place where I don't fit in. And this apartment is like a test for me to have good taste and be a fancy New York lady. And she like goes to paint it and the, the other woman is like, not with your complexion. She keeps putting up like different paint choices and the woman keeps like undercutting everything and then it's like, well, it's up to you. Like, I don't know why you're asking me. Right. So she's like completely destabilizing her in a very like malicious way. Yeah, very gaslighty. I think the movie like calls to the story The Yellow Wallpaper. I was just going to say, when I read The Yellow Wallpaper in high school, I said... Oh, like in the devil's advocate. Yeah, she holds <laughs> yellow wallpaper up and is yeah. like, how about this? Yeah. And like, also, Colin said, hasn't she ever heard of paint chips? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> she literally, like, takes out a roller and does a big thing. It also in green. It was fascinating in that they have these extremely expensive interior decorators who are, like, charging them $2,000 a panel for fabric or whatever, and yet Charlize <laughs> is painting herself. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. hire some painters, lady. Yeah. Well, that's because she's not actually a fancy New York lady yet. Right? Yeah, I read an article that was saying that the women's treatment of Charlize in a movie with a lot of very overt evilness is actually the most evil thing in the right. movie. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I, I think that... So they, they show Charlize as being this very, like sassy sort of like spunky spunky lady and so i think it's very clever in that if these women had come at her head on and been mean that she would have been like realistically would have been like i don't i'm I'm writing you off (laughs) but because they were outwardly nice and slowly undercutting her it like it wormed their way in like a disease Yeah. yeah And I also think that they do things where they assume a comfort that she doesn't have as a way to highlight how alone and yeah. out of place she is. Like, what later in the movie when they're, like, trying on clothes, like, the one woman is just, like, completely naked. Charlize is intensely uncomfortable with it, and it's it highlights, I think, like, it's like, like, you don't my belong blue. here. Right. This, like, these and are then, your people. Right. And then at the end of that scene, they're like, oh, and by the way, you'll probably get a boob job someday. When yeah. she's probably, like, rattled. Yeah. Right. That's also when she has her first vision. That is when she starts to see demons inside of these women. Yeah, you see a hand run under the skin and, like, caress the boob from inside. And I have to say, super creepy. 20 years later, that special effect holds up. Very gross. The the demon faces hold up. They are scary. Those are some of the few digital effects that actually look good in this movie. There are some that look really bad. CGI cut Bob here (laughs) to lay down the law. These ones look great. So far, it's not so just because they're boobs. <laughs> <laughs> the CGI on Tamara's nipples are amazing. They yeah. look so large. The mouth looks great. <laughs> I know the boobs can't possibly have that large. Little known fact, those nipples are played by Andy Circus. In- <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah, the yeah. littlest known fact. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be known less. <laughs> it really shouldn't be. <laughs> I wish I could unsay it. I'm upset no. myself. It's oh. not recorded. Oh, that's going in. <laughs> we don't take requests for cuts. Uh. So, moving along the plot, Kevin Lomax, Keanu, is moving up the ranks in this law firm. He's being tested in very different ways. And he's uh, holding up. Basically, that's a, a huge chunk of this movie is... He is holding his own in this New York law firm, so Marianne is being left home alone right. more and more. So basically, her loneliness is growing and his prowess at the firm. Yes. Then we, he is adapting. Like, she, right. like, tries to change her look because she knows she knows her into it. Creepily mm-hmm. gives her a speech about how a woman's shoulders are the front line to her mistake. Yes. And he thinks that, you know, that she should cut her hair, which she does. Yeah. Also, is, are they trying to make her less attractive? Is that his goal? No, like, I think he actually is making her look more like the wife of high-powered attorney. See, because my interpretation of that, and I am willing to be told that this is not true, was that he wants to shuffle Keanu over to Connie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to make your wife 
less attractive. Especially, right. like, in the sex scene where he keeps fantasizing that he's fucking Connie Nielsen instead. It became, like, very apparent that they were trying to make Charlize not look like the most beautiful woman on the planet. Right. And I'm like, this is a tall order, guys. Yes. I think he's just oh, fucking with Charlize. I, I also think the perm is, like, country for... The that's what I, I, I think. I yeah. think it's country. Yeah. I also... I didn't necessarily think they were, they were trying to make her look less attractive, but Keanu Reeves does note when Charlize is starting to come unhinged, you cut your hair, you have this big thing. And culturally, at least, a woman making a drastic cut in her hair is shorthand often for coming unhinged. An important <laughs> note, her eyebrows, guys. They were real good. Perfectly normal. Yeah. We do check in on our eyebrows I, almost I know, every I know. They did also change color when she got her hair. Well, oh, she went to a nice salon. They, yeah, 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 they sent her to a nice salon. Yeah. The other weird thing that's happening with Charlize in the middle of the movie, the long middle of the movie, is she wants to start having children. Right. And they, they start oh, setting right. it up uh, when they are leaving Florida, and she says to Kevin, uh, we should start having some grandchildren so, to get your mother off my back. Yeah. And it's sort of set in this, like, breezy, like, oh, just for this reason. And then he kind of puts it off of, like, we'll make her wait a little bit. And Charlize's face falls. Yeah. Like, she clearly wants to start having kids soon. It comes up a couple of other times, and the scene where they have sex in the apartment, and he is fantasizing about Connie Nielsen, and he says, to make her happy, let's make a baby. Right. And then things get really weird when she has a dream. Or is it? Or is it? That there's a baby in their apartment. Who could have been way cuter. They must have had, like, one hour to cast that baby. (laughs) Yeah. Really a toddler. Yeah, he was, like, three. He was like, I could poop in a potty. And I was like, yeah. And she kept calling him baby, which was confusing (laughs) in that she calls Kevin Lomax baby. Yeah, she was like, hi, baby. And he was like, what's up? I'm three and a half. (laughs) Get me a cigarette, woman. Yeah. So she had been holding a knife thinking someone had broken in her apartment clatters that to the floor, which is not a safe place to put that if there's a baby crawling around. Especially okay. a baby that could probably walk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, like, she, like, crawls towards the baby to be like, are you okay? Where's your Where's your mommy? And the baby turns around, and he is holding... Entrails. What, entrails. Entrails. Yeah. I always thought it was a miscarriage, is what he was, like, picking up. I'd right. Probably that. I thought it was her ovaries. That yeah. is not like, what ovaries yeah, look Colin's like. Yeah, like, that's what ovaries look like. And I was like, oh, no. no. So there's some guts. And then it cuts to Charlize freaking out. And her, of course, white nightgown has like a perfect triangle of blood in her crotchal region. Then it cuts to like Kevin coming home. And she's like, they took my ovaries. They took my ovaries. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So one of my notes is that a lot of stuff happens off screen yes. in this movie. So yes. like, for example, she tells him a story right now about how she saw the doctor yesterday. And the doctor yeah what that was children. so weird I didn't like, like that why didn't I mean I, I think I know why they do this but it's still very awkward I think they do it because Kevin is losing any contact with what his wife's day to day life I wish right. we could have seen a hair of an indication that she was maybe even just going to the doctor because I do think in, it, it's so jarring that it's right. like oh is this just a crazy well, right. I, think I would have right. rather just known that she's not being crazy because right. it's just confusing unnecessarily and because we do see things it's not just from Kevin's limited perspective like we see her have to hold Tamara Tooney's boot like, we, we do see her private breakdown. And we see her with Ugly Baby. It's deliberately obtuse, I think. Like, you see the things, like, the dramatic weirdness that she goes through, but you don't see, like, the pedestrian, like, well, I did went to the doctor yesterday. I just want to quickly imagine... So there, there's, like, three writing credits. There's, like, a book and then two screenwriting credits. And there's a director. And all four of these people are men. And I just love the idea of just them all chatting, like, what are, like, ovaries? <laughs> like, I think it's, like, Intestines, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it like strips? Give the ugly baby some intestines. Just send somebody to the butcher. See what they have in the trash. <laughs> Just pull out the craft service. This look like ovaries. Yeah, I think so. And then Charlize is like, "Excuse me, uh, t- rolling." And the baby's like, "I gotta be six. <laughs> hey, if that baby is grown up and listens to this podcast, please. So tweet us. Please tweet us. I would love to know what you look like now. Yeah, me too. Well, I assume too. you're much more attractive. Yeah. Do that. you know what ovaries look like now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. That is actually Chris Pine. Little <laughs> <Little> fact. <laughs> Those uh, ovaries were played by Chris Pine knows all about what ovaries look like. Well known fact. Are we almost at summer? All right. So, we even got it to Donald Trump yet. Oh, oh, yes, we have. We've no. been past that. Yeah, that was at the party. Yeah. No, no, no. no. The, the facsimile for Donald Trump. Yes. Craig T. Nelson's character. 
Oh. Yeah, the guy what? with the golden roof. That's yeah, literally right. Donald Trump's house. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... You guys didn't pick up on this? Nope. Oh, okay. It made the movie much worse for me, so I I'm glad. I just picked up on the reference to Donald Trump's so party. So they, yes. they did that thing where they were like, yeah, so we're going to have a stand-in for Donald Trump, so let's say Donald Trump so that you think that we must have invented this character because he's in the same <laughs> universe yeah. as the real Donald Trump. He's an unlikable real estate mogul in New York who's had several marriages, and he has had a lot of work with the law firm previously and then they get a phone call that's basically like his wife and kid have been killed and their and their nanny and their nanny and he was there and even though he hadn't used the Milton firm for criminal defense previously in this sense they're going to hire him and Kevin Lomax will be the main attorney on the case even though he's never done it before yeah and, and he claims he didn't do it and then and we he's learn like that, emphatic that he didn't yeah do it. and then we learn that he was having an affair and so Kevin is like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have to, like, let the jury know that, like, you were fucking this girl. It's while. your alibi. It's your alibi. And then we learn that he was not. Because he is doing, like, a mock cross-examination of, to the, the, mistress. of the mistress. And he asks, is he circumcised? And she doesn't know. Which Or she pauses. She pauses and, yeah. like, she's clearly like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And, like. She obviously would not. So I am mad because this movie that I would have said I loved made me think about Donald Trump's foreskin. And now, <laughs> so are you. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, Guys, you thought 2017 was bad before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can hazard a guess that our president's dick is all foreskin. So. Uh, <laughs> it's only the bad part. <laughs> You can't see my face, but it just <laughs> inverted on itself trying to get away from that statement. Wait, if we just keep rolling it back while a decent human being can <laughs> just like wipe the smegma, push it down, and so it comes out. Maybe we He's have all to smegma do that. too. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh. My God. <laughs> I, I'm upset. Just roll a bit. So, we go to the trial, I guess. Mm-hmm. Basically, Kevin Lomax defends him. Yes, and, gets him and off. Gets him and, off. Right. Which and is also off screen. Knowing that the mistress is lying, which is another choice that he makes. Yes. Right. And, oh, also, and, and Pacino is like, oh, yeah. you're going to lose this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Marianne has been getting progressively worse, and obviously Kevin's probably talking to Al Pacino about it. Al Pacino's like, you, you, you haven't considered quitting the case? Right. Take... Take yourself off the case. Like, he specifically says, like, take care of your wife. Yeah. yeah. Everyone will understand your wife is sick. She comes first. Right. And as Kevin, is quoted later by the devil to him, he's like, don't you remember you said, my fear is she gets better and I resent her for it. Right. I don't want to resent her. Yeah. And it, it's him just talking himself into doing what he wanted to do anyway. Yeah. So wins the case. And then now he's going to come home. Take care of Marianne. He's won this big case. But Marianne is at the nearby church. Yes. And then we have a very amazing Charlize scene. So she is sitting in the church wrapped in this pink comforter. And she's very tearful. And he's like, what's going on? And she starts to try and kind of explain something slash apologize sort of. And is essentially saying that John Milton had come to their apartment that day, talked to her for several hours, and then raped her. Even though she sort of wanted to. Right, like, she started going along with it, but then I think she does say, like, I tried to make it stop. She definitely said she begged him to stop. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, it may have started out as consensual, but it was rape. Right. Yes. And Kevin is like, what are you talking about? I've been with him all day. And he's angry. He's angry about it and doesn't understand what's happening. And Charlize then reveals that she is naked under the comforter and covered in cuts and bruises. Mm -hmm. She says, he did this to me. At which point Kevin is like, you know, what's happening to you? He like wraps her up. And whisks her to a mental hospital. Because he thinks full that frontal she, Charlize, guys. Full frontal. He thinks that she's done it to herself. Right. So that she needs to be hospitalized right. to protect her. And they herself. take her. They believe him. And so I'm trying to remember what happens before like the next mental hospital scene. Nothing important. Nothing important. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. Let's. Oh, Eddie Barzun. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Alright, so Eddie Barzun is the mansion partner, and he has some, like, moments with Keanu. It's not really important. We'll talk this about it. This is unnecessary to this we'll movie. We'll talk yes. about it 100%. The Keanu. It's so that Al Pacino can have a, a second giant monologue in this movie. Right. So Eddie Barzun yeah. oh, is right. basically uh, someone who is <laughs> under the wing of Milton and presumably has previously, like, sold his soul uh, and is now <laughs> thinking, like, maybe I can get out from under this and I'm gonna, like, tank the law firm. And he's out for a job. And Al Pacino gives a big monologue about how we're all greedy, terrible people, and it's the 20th century, and we're the worst. And as Eddie Barzun is running, 
so he's being pursued by invisible demons, and then uh, homeless people who also appear to be demons beat him to death, mm-hmm. and then which Marianne is forced to watch. Yes, she witnesses which this. Is very or, poorly shot. Yes. It very much seems like she's looking out her window at something upsetting. Yeah, because right. their apartment didn't actually have a look into Central Park. Yeah, they right. should have filmed this in Donald Trump's apartment. Nor did she have binoculars. <laughs> yeah, at the time. I like, know. I know. I know. Yeah. Far away. I think. Mm-hmm. And then at Eddie Barzun's funeral, we have a magical moment where we're finally figuring <laughs> out who this mysterious John Milton character is. Because uh, oh, I didn't want to talk about the so water. Subtle before, and then we got Gotcha Eyes uh, Chino looking straight at the camera as he sticks his finger into some holy water, and some magic bubbles appear. And that mo- like he winks at the camera. The magic bubbles. Water. Water. Wait, uh, I will Correct. point out that before he puts his <laughs> not fizzy. Before, before he puts his finger in holy bubbles, he it's a soda stream. He, he has a moment where he's yeah. At first, he goes, he points at it. And it looks like he's going like, huh? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And then he's like, ah, yeah, it's my doing favorite it. devil thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think we're meant to believe that he is looking at God, like, fuck yeah. you, yeah. Dad. So that scene, the, the boiling holy water was in the commercials for this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which I remembered, and I, I went and looked up and checked, because this movie would have been so much better if it was ambiguous. If but then actually super right. But I I read an article on it today that was basically like if you have a movie called The Devil's Advocate and Al Pacino is in it, <laughs> like no one's you're gonna be like fool I those. wonder which one the devil is. There, I think that the movie was designed for you to not know. I was curious about that too. Like when the mom's doing the speech, I'm like, we know. Yeah. Right. I don't, like, well, wait, I guess we didn't know the father thing. That yeah. is the yeah. surprise. That's so surprise. Roger Ebert to me anyway when, when I was younger. When Roger Ebert saw the Truman Show, he did not know what it was about, mm-hmm. and he described that experience as being like, he's like, that movie is so much better not knowing what's going on yeah. in this guy's life and then finding out. And it's unthinkable to me because I obviously knew the premise of the movie well before I saw it. Right. And it's also such a great movie on its own that I'm not like, I can't imagine that movie being better. Right. This movie, as much as I love it, I can imagine it being better. And I think that maybe I would have liked it more if it was ambiguous. Yeah, I I can see that. I, I just feel like with movies like this, I think any attempt to make it a twist that he was the devil would have felt so ham-fisted that I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with them leaning into it. All right, so back in the mental hospital. Yes. Okay, so we're in the mental hospital and Charlize kills herself. Okay, let's move it along. It's, oh, true. it's, it's very so sad. sad. And Keanu does really good acting there. Yeah, he's uh, really she sees she sees one more demon do. lady in right. the secretary from the firm. Or and Charlize had said before that she can't look at herself because as she's checked into the mental hospital, she calls out blood money. We drank yeah. it down. Coming here was a mistake. Yeah, and she forces her to look at herself in the mirror, and then she freaks out and then breaks the mirror and then locks and her then, out of the room right. and then picks up one of the pieces of glass and slits her oh, neck. Okay. It is real upsetting. Yes, yeah, very, very upsetting. upsetting. Very yeah. And so Kevin's mother has come to town. By the way, Keanu just spends the rest of the movie covered I in know. her blood. I think that's a good choice. I just, it was distracting to me in all subsequent scenes. I was. It like, bothers me a little did. in the last scene because the way it's soaked on the one collar... Where the <laughs> angle is, it looks like one of those like '80s or '90s like men's collars, like almost like there's like a tip on the end that's like you know like, like, like a black and, like, you're about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's what it looks like to me. It's almost like the designer didn't splatter it properly, and on the one side it's splattered, but on the other side it is a true just like wing tip. But seriously, his wife dies in his arms, and he's like, "Mom." You're gonna tell me more about yeah, what you're yeah. Telling so me right, about. so his mother's in town, and so he's like, okay, you you've been starting to tell me about something. What's going on? And she's basically like, I recognized John Milton. He is your father. Yeah, he's the Don't guy that I had sex with. Right, he's the guy that I had sex with the night that. And then I think one of the best genuinely creepy moments of the movie happens because he's like, oh, I'm going to go see my dad. And he walks out and the woman from the firm is standing there and she like, Pam, for the first time, like the demons that work for him, like let themselves be known to him. And she's like, oh, you look so scared. Like, don't worry about it. Like, he's waiting for you. Yeah. He'll take all your fear away. Yeah. And she's very like, just cool about Mm -hmm, it. And the whole street is empty. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a thing that happens a lot in movies nowadays where all of New York is empty. But I remember seeing that and being like. That's Wait, 
reality. So I actually saw, uh, I think on the Wikipedia page, or somewhere that I looked today, it talks about how this movie and Open Your Eyes, or or whatever, uh, which is what Vanilla Sky is based on. Both did that scene, obviously not in New York for the Spanish movie, but they both did that scene, like, roughly at the same time, and it's like, who's ripping off who? Yeah. So he goes... That street was playing. <laughs> I would like to nominate this as a new running theme. <laughs> what thing could be played by Andy Serkis? The little known fact, Andy Serkis yes. played what, what in this, in this movie? movie? So, <laughs> we get to Al Pacino's apartment to have the arguably one of the best scenes in all of, of, all of modern films. Yes. Yes. yes, I stand by that. No, I will I watch this you. scene Anytime, if it's if this movie's on TV, I might not watch the whole thing. But if it's close I'll, to this scene, I'll watch that. I will wait and watch. I gotta uh, say, also, it, we we mentioned this before. It's long, okay? Yeah, because like, yeah. I was gonna, I was yes. watching the yeah. movie this afternoon, and I had to go to a show at seven, and it was six ten, and I was like, oh no, I don't have all the time. And Colin's like, it's six ten. The movie's almost over, and I'm like, no, it's no. no, 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 because <laughs> this isn't a dramatic monologue as the conclusion. This is an whole act of a play. Yes. yes. It's an entire is, fifth act yeah. with a lot of lines. Or so, it's almost like the fourth act. Yeah. In, right? in high school, yeah. I did competitive forensics, which is competitive public speaking. I love where this is going. <laughs> and I saw someone do this speech <laughs> yes. in competition, of course which she did. You, were, you were not allowed to do clippings for movies. So they were like, they were a rule breaker. And I remember being in that, like, in that heat of competition and being like, you're a fucking rebel. Like, <laughs> my I, respect. My respect. Like, I stand up and applaud you, sir. <laughs> so what happens? So, basically, not much. It's like, the plot of this scene is, is pretty simple. Right. It's basically, yeah. and he's Can like... confronts him and yeah. like, are you my dad? The he's veil like, is yeah. removed. The veil is removed. I'm your dad. I'm the, I'm the devil. I want you to take over the firm. I did fuck your wife. I did fuck your wife. I want you to take over the firm. I'm using air quotes, aka the world. world. And I Um, want you to do it with your half sister. Half sister. So the woman he had been fantasizing about. Connie Nielsen. Connie Nielsen, who he felt like an immediate attraction to as soon as he met her, uh, is apparently his half sister. Yes. And And he is really not, I mean, I know he's got a lot on his plate at that moment, but he's really not at all phased by the near incest, and in fact leans yeah. right on it. Oh yeah, yeah. leans in. The devil essentially wants the two of them to combine their DNA to create one super, super demon. Uh, become or whatever. whatever. Also, or whatever. That's not how genetics work. No, like I was like, <laughs> no, that's why what just think the devil is recessive. Just to clarify, the reason why I like that line so much is every other thing he says in that scene is like, uh, I'm a, uh, a girl. And, a then, and then it's the Antichrist. <laughs> Whatever. Well, and he's sure. like, are you, are you Satan? And he's like, oh, call me dad. And he oh, does. I love that. For the rest of the movie, Keanu does death. So anyway, he decides, so <laughs> it, it seems like he's toying around with the idea of possibly fucking her. They kiss. Right. And he gets like Sinatra starts playing yes. so and, and uh Al Pacino is lip syncing and Colin said, Is he actually singing? Like can he, do his oh. powers encompass being a radio? They do. <laughs> do because, they? Yes, because at some point he, he mimics Keanu. Keanu in Keanu's voice. But I think he is also playing. Kevin has a whole thing about like you have done all of this. Al Pacino is like, I have done none of this. I have put the pieces on the board and you've made every choice. Which I've got questions about. I agree with that. <laughs> okay, he does. He killed Barzoom. He killed Eddie Barzoom, okay, but that has nothing to do with Kevin's And he decisions. raped Kevin's wife. And he didn't believe her. Yeah. I mean, like, I agree that, like, you are frail thing, but this whole, like, I don't do anything thing the devil's going with, I'm like, buddy, you do. Right. You That's fair, but do. he, I mean, but Kevin makes many, many choices. I agree. Yes. Uh, along the way. The devil is kind of like, you've chosen to be here. This is what you want. Free will. Blah, blah. At any point, you could have noticed how fucked up all this shit was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, a scene where they're out at a restaurant and uh, they're hanging out and then Al Pacino's like, hey, chick next to me. Get under the table oh, and give right. me a blowjob. Right. She and does. he looks and Keanu like, looks at him and is like, oh, that's uncomfortable, but right. I'm just gonna smoke a cigarette and talk to him. Alright, I guess I'll be your partner. Right. Yeah, like, he right. just, he turns a blind eye. Uh, also, signifying his getting more and more evil, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but his suits get progressively yes. darker. And he's yes. that out. His hair me. gets slicker and slicker. Yes. <laughs> um, and his accent gets more and more, yes. what's going on? What's okay, happening? the thing with this accent, I was talking to Colin about this. That is a thing for 
for southern people in high powered yes. jobs to try to hide their accent and they're right. not always great at it. So I realize what probably is happening there is that Keanu is not very good at accents and <laughs> failed. We can write um, it off as but a let's true say it's a character choice. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Deep you know choice. who has no excuse? Connie Nielsen, who is Italian for one scene and then just becomes Connie Nielsen. Yeah, that's true. So why do they I make her Italian? I'm just not sure if she was supposed to actually be Italian or she could just speak Italian. That's what I she thought, yeah. introduces herself in English at that party that Donald Trump was supposed to be at, and she has a very thick Italian accent. Okay, yeah, and her name is also Christabella. Yeah, and then for the rest of it, she's just yeah, vaguely, just good old Connie Nielsen. Yeah, <laughs> Christabella. Man, these names are I subtle. We're subtle. <laughs> uh, just like this whole movie is just a, a study in subtlety. Yeah, yeah. Al Pacino um, got your eyes. So yeah. what happens? Uh, Keanu does shoot himself. Well, just the, so Keanu shoots himself because it's like his only way out, essentially. Yeah. So it's like free if he, will. Yeah, his like free in will. Fight club. Yeah, he yep. commits suicide to prevent himself from going down Reading his path. Yeah. Right. <coughs> then, then Al Pacino gets real mad. Yeah, he, he gets he, real mad, and he, he CGI turns into Keanu as a like archangel. I think it's yeah. supposed to be him, him. when Keanu. he was right, younger, right. and that's why but he it does Keanu. look like Keanu. Yeah, right. yes. I think it's on purpose. And yes. they do. I love that they take the moment to acknowledge that someone who can look like anything has chosen to look like Al Pacino in his fifties, mm-hmm. because he says he likes when he like fucks women, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Wait, you." just fucked me. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they acknowledge that. But yeah, I guess what they're saying is that Lucifer looked like Keanu at the fall. So he kills himself and then Al Pacino transforms and is just set on fire. Connie Nielsen dies. The big wall The big painting. wall turns into all the souls of the damned. Because <laughs> they've been turning upset. into like, naked Sexy people. people. And then in this, everything kind of like crescendos. The fire. And then uh, suddenly there's a close-up into an eyeball, and it's Keanu Reeves' eyeball, and we are taken back to the scene at the very beginning of the movie where Keanu Reeves is in the bathroom at that moment where he had just found out that his defendant was guilty because he was fondling the desk with his hand out his pants, and he's in the bathroom, and the press guy is like, you can't win them all, and Keanu Reeves looks in the mirror, and then comes back into the courtroom, sees beautiful, beautiful Charlie, not with glass in her throat for a no, chance. glass in her throat. Uh, kisses her, hugs her, and he's like, you know, I'm going to do the right thing. And then he basically is like, your honor, I can't. I can no longer defend. The court explodes. Also, so you shouldn't do that. That's right. bad. But I don't think you get disbarred for I was wondering it. about no. that. Because, yeah. like, everyone freaks out. And he's like, I'll he probably didn't... never be a lawyer again. No, he didn't say so. because he's guilty. Right. He just says I can't do it anymore. Which could be for any reason. And then it would just be called a mistrial. All the yeah. time. Yeah. And then he would get, he would just get a new trial. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what would happen. Right. I was with this movie, but then that was so unrealistic. The, the mistrial <laughs> process. I would have loved it, but I was like, nah, yeah. come on. Yeah. So he's leaving. <laughs> All the press is like, oh my gosh, uh, Kevin, Lomax, Kevin, 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 Kevin. And then his press friend is like, get out of here, everybody else. And they're like, okay. And so he's like, hey, Kevin, oh my God, like, this is your ticket to fame. Right. Like, we're going to write a book about you. Are you, are you kidding me? A, a lawyer with a crisis of conscience like this is 60 minutes and Charlize is like honey once again enticed the way she was by the first right. apartment because women are the worst because women are Eve, Eve with the apple <laughs> and he's like and subtle, then Kevin subtle, subtle. at first is like no 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 and then he acquiesces and says alright you know what call me in the morning and then the press guy is like oh you got it and then he turns, turns looks to the camera straight in the camera and CGI transforms in Al Pacino, and let's say all together, he says to the camera, Vanity! Definitely my favorite sin! I see a and I want to paint it black! Credit to this movie for not using sympathy for I the I had the exact same thought. Like, yeah. way to not grab the low-hanging fruit. Yes. Because oh. this is actually more appropriate. Yes. Unlike yeah. 15 minutes, it was like, yeah, we're going to use the song Fame. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to a better movie. Okay, so. So, that's our film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we were prepping our guests for this episode, it's like, we're going to have you summarize it. Try to keep it brief. And then Abby said, I've listened to your show. <laughs> that's not how you do it. And we were like, shh. But that's not okay. how we do it. So, no. uh, but that was great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, let's get into some segments, guys. Ooh. So, who, if anyone else 
who would Keanu play in this movie? I'm gonna Not go himself. first. Okay, right. So he can, you can decide that he can play himself, you can pick anyone else. If, can I make him, like, so, like, for example, for Legend of Bagger Vance, we had young Keanu play yes. one role and old Keanu play well, another. Well, here's yes. what yes. I would do, is okay. I would have current day Keanu replace uh, Al Pacino and play against young Keanu, and they just wouldn't recognize that they're the same person. Okay. 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 Well, I understand that thematically, I feel like Al Pacino gives one of the greatest performances in the history yeah. of cinema in this movie. <laughs> but wouldn't you love to hear, I'm thinking I'm back! Okay, in- I think that maybe I wouldn't mind watching, like, a staged reading yeah. where Keanu yeah. has hey, to play hey, Al Pacino. You can make your own choice sure. for okay. your own Keanu casting, yeah. but yeah. for me... But what was the answer to, if we cast him in something, he still gets to be the Keanu character? Yes. No, yeah. you can it's take just him been, out if you want. You but what if I want to leave him there? Then he can. can. He, yes. There can be one extra this is a, you, yes. you can this time is a, Keanu, you can time travel Keanu. This is a bonus episode, because normally we only have one Keanu to play with, Right now we have right. two. That's okay. right. All right. Yep. So who would you okay. do? Um, <laughs> so I would, I would absolutely keep him in his current role, um, and I'm torn. I kind of want to see him play one of the demonic wives. Yes. Oh, he I can't wait to Photoshop like, Keanu with yeah. nipples. Oh no, Instagram terms of service. You can have him play the nipple. It's his head. That's it. Put him on the body of Andy Serkis over the nipples. <laughs> Amazing. Or I would maybe have an older John Wick era Keanu play Eddie Barzoon. Okay. I want him to play Eddie Barzoon mostly because Jeffrey Jones makes me uncomfortable because yes. he yes. is what a child rapist or something like that. Oh, no. What? Yeah. And so... he was in Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's comparable. <laughs> I can't remember if it was molestation or kitty. You're right. I remember he's, that. He's a creep. So yeah. uh, I don't like seeing him in movies. I, I would like to see Eddie Barzoon presented as sort of a more threatening presence. Like, and not just sweaty. Right. Like, I feel yeah. like that's his defining character. Like such a buffoon. He's like, such an unnecessary How are you the character? fucking managing director right. of this firm? Like, You're not intimidating. Ooh, here's a fan theory. <laughs> <laughs> so in the in the <laughs> final, the Dana Maw scene of, you know, Al Pacino being the devil, he says, I've had so many children, so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who so are not as so many disappointments. People who are not as good as Kevin and Christabella, and so they can't fulfill the destiny. What if Eddie Barzoon is a failed child? Ooh, I like that. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. All the more reason for him to look like Keanu Reeves. Absolutely. There you go. What if there it's like Lady in the Tramp? <laughs> <laughs> I love saying things for like Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, is that your gift to the Magi? I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, Liz loves making references to the gift of the Magi. I do, yes. I, I would definitely keep him in his uh, existing role. He's great. Yeah, I think I think he's really good. Yeah, yeah I do too. Yes. He has a real character arc and yes. really portrays it well. Yes. Um, but I think I would. It, it's also hard to find other characters that he doesn't interact with because he's everywhere in this movie. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I would have him in drag as the woman who blows Al Pacino under the table, <laughs> <laughs> and just be, just have him be like, ah, see this? Yeah. Like the symbolism. Uh-huh. <laughs> But will he be old like John Wick era Keanu? Like, <laughs> old, like I'll do it. I'm gonna do it. He does have long hair, so yeah, yeah. could do it. Love it. Love I it. will make him uh, Connie. <laughs> Connie Nielsen's nipples. <laughs> <laughs> no, just all all of her. I want to. Yeah. I want to see him being like oh, Bella, doing <laughs> and Italian, and make out with himself at the end. Make out with I, I'm there for that. I'm there for that. Awesome. Right, cheers. All right. Okay, cheers so. Would this movie be improved by a prison riot? I'm going to say no. I am also going to say no, and I hate that that's the case, but I can't really figure out where one would fit. I just don't want one. It's too long already. Yeah. You could squeeze one in as demonstration of John Milton's influence over something. Is that what you were going to say? I don't know that it would improve it. Here's the... Here's the only time. So there is a middle case that we entirely skipped over in our lengthy plot review. Oh my gosh, with Delroy Lindo killing Correct. a goat. Which, in this case, I like. I fundamentally don't understand why it's in the movie, and at the end he's like, you came down this path. You helped a child molester. You defended a man via religious freedom when killing a goat. But he was doing it for religious yes, reasons. Yes, right? because <laughs> he was actually not guilty. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah, so shitty job on you, Kevin right. Lomax. And then you defended someone who killed his family and is fucking his stepdaughter. Totally a natural progression. So that whole, like, that whole case, I think that oh, if wait, we wait, wait, wait. removed that scene and instead had them visit a client in prison and as he walked out, like, a riot happened behind him mm-hmm. and you were kind of like, well, we get it as the audience that something weird is happening but Kevin Lomax doesn't, then maybe that would have been fine. Because but they like, do have the dog bark at him. Yes. Yeah. So... 
Like turning point. Actually, when I was at IMDb today, I was like, "Oh, this was her first meaty oh, role, yeah, yeah. and it is yeah. meaty as hell." Okay, yeah. and like if you see Two Days in the Valley, which was her previous mm-hmm. big role, yes. like she's not good. She's very yeah, yeah. right. You can literally mm-hmm. see like the transition of her career happens during the course of this. Yeah, movie, yeah. Which, exactly. Which, because which she is, even starts off kind of vapid yeah, and like she starts off oh, with the pretty eye candy yep. who will show her boobs, right. and then she becomes like a, yeah, a, right. like a psychologically very, very yeah. damaged and like very well acted. She's the one who has the biggest arc. For sure. Uh, even more so than Keanu, who is also great. I I think this is the first movie that I saw her in. Like, I'm pretty sure for me too. And yeah. I remember the first I remember her in. The ovary yes. scene like stuck in my mind like so much. Like not just because I was always like I'm confused, like what's happening. And I just I think that her performance in this is super memorable. And it's like I was familiar with Al Pacino. I knew that I loved Keanu Reeves, but I was like, who is this other person who like is stealing scenes from them? Like, yeah. Can you imagine stealing scenes from Al Pacino in your third movie? Yeah. Right. Like holy it's cow. Crazy. Yeah. She like I just think all of her scenes and they're scattered throughout. Like she does sort of disappear and like Keanu is all over this movie. I think she's in the movie more than Al Pacino is. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even just the painting scene, which we already talked about before, like just her reaction faces. Like this is her third movie, and like I think like re- like playing that type of role, like pa- playing like a naive character early mm-hmm. in the beginning. Like she has a I don't know. She has a lot of depth. One one scene, literally maybe one scene that we haven't talked about yet is <laughs> um, the scene after uh, Keanu bails on her at the party. Mm. And I would say that watching this as a 35-year-old wife, she acts... And I... That's, like, my favorite kind of acting is, like, scenes that I'm, like, I I have been here. Yes. Like, literally, she's, like, I almost had a panic attack. I'm, like, yep, been there. Like, the line where he's, like, oh, I'm sorry, I bailed on the party. And she's, like, you bailed on me. Right. Right. She plays that super well. Like, in some ways, arguably, the scene in the church could be easier because it's like, just go over right, the top. You're chewing the scenery. Right. Chewing the scenery. There's a scene where she talks about how lonely she is. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it's the same scene as when she's like, you bailed on me, or if it's afterwards, but she's just... Where she's no, like, it might be when she's... when baby, she's Let's have a baby scene. Or, no, it might be when she has that one scene where she's... It's, like, nighttime, and she's hanging out with the neighbor and lady. She, yeah, she, where she's like, I'm really lonely, like... Oh, and, yeah. and then, and then yeah. Tamara is like, I have to make an appointment to see my husband. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, I never also, see that's like, the scene where she screams. And she goes like, I'm so lonely. Like, it's very right. impassioned. Because yeah. he's like, well, what, what's wrong? Why don't you just do more stuff on the apartment? And that's when she screams like, this whole apartment is a test. She's just good as hell. She's so good. Yeah. I think we should do a podcast about her movies. We should. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I would listen to it. It's like, I, when I watch this movie as a child, I imprinted on this actress that yeah. I would later... Talk about her every week. I just feel like we have not talked nearly enough about that amazing last scene. I read an article. So to the, the Keanu review. The, for that yeah. the article that I read today was like, that scene, <laughs> there are no less than 17 phrases that I would stitch <laughs> on a pillow <laughs> And they said, including but not limited to, God is an absentee landlord! <laughs> Guys, the best one is the one word expression, and I think we can all say it together. <laughs> I'm a fan! I'm a humanist. <laughs> Maybe the last two. Minutes. Maybe the last two. That's another, that's on a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> so good. All right, so. Good. Um, well, we'll, t- we'll do the right I, and then we'll talk about how Are there cut scenes? I would love to see I the bloopers <laughs> of this, of that scene. Yeah. Like, I want to oh, see God, every yes. take they took yes. of that scene. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Like, if they were yeah. like, if a director What like, was the progression if, of finding it? It's, it's, it's like it's, three hours of this scene. I would be like, sign I want to see Al Pacino going watching, up yeah. to the director being like, I'm, I'm just making sure the line is, I'm a fan of man. <laughs> so like a calm table reading where it's like, I'm probably the last humanist. I'm a fan of man. I'm a fan of man. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> he says... Cybernetic. What does that mean? He means cybernetic. I I, and they couldn't do another take. I wrote. I wrote notes and I forgot to. 
bring them, and it was. Did he say cybernetic? He does. I wrote cybernetic keyboard. I literally assumed that in was that something scene? I hadn't heard. He talks of. about the. He's like, this century is mine. Yes. I brought it. Everyone is on computers, and aren't they terrible? <laughs> cybernetic. It's the same thing as like when they mispronounce modem in the net. Yeah. It's like no, nobody knew any better. On Wait, the what set. did they call it in, on the, the net? In, they call it a modem. No. Yeah. And that they movie sh- is about the internet. They right. also <laughs> mispronounce cellulite. They call it cellulite. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was very confused by that. This yeah. is Let's send them an email on our cybernetic keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> I, makes me think that they had done three hundred takes, and they were like, yeah. "Let's this is just the best go one." With it. And they were like, "Whatever." I want to yeah. believe it's Too a long. choice. He's like, the devil "No one really knows the that word yet." Yeah, it's the devil says Jif. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't he? He is here to torture. Wouldn't he? Yeah. Guys, there's so many, like, deep, <laughs> dumb He gives things. man instincts. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I swear, for his own amusement, his own cosmic gag reel, he sets the rules in opposition. <laughs> we could talk about this movie so much. But we can't. In ranking it, I need to say that a lot of people, and this was, like, our most requested episode. Yeah. Like, everyone who was like, I love your podcast. All four people. Like, your <laughs> Two out of four people want to talk about this movie. Uh, right. So they they were like, I love, I, I would love to be a guest on your Devil's Advocate episode. It just kept coming up. When we first told Liz and Abby we were doing this, I think you immediately were like, Devil's Advocate. Dibs, 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 dibs. Yeah. Fan of them, dibs. And I was shocked because I thought, I, like, I feel like a lot of people have their favorite, like, TBS movies. Yeah. And I thought, I, I was shocked that Liz liked it. I Were was like, oh. really shocked that I was into a movie about weird Catholicism? Yeah. But, uh, so, Ab- Abby and Liz did ask us first, and they are my best friends, and they're in my comedy troupe, so obviously they won, but the real- Boom! The real reason- <laughs> No one's a loser in no this. No one's a loser, but when my mother died- my friends, to make me feel better, gave me a hat box full of Diet Coke and various treats, including The Devil's Advocate on DVD. Oh, I didn't remember that was in there. And pump yeah. up the volume. But so it was like, you know what will make you feel better after this terrible loss? Al Pacino <laughs> saying, Fabulous! Eating the scenery. <laughs> and they were right. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Okay. We love you. You're welcome. All right. So as such, I may be actually ranking it lower than that might suggest. <laughs> I'm going to put this fourth behind Kubo and the Two Strings above that thing you do. Uh, I really, really struggle to rank this one because I'm like, I, I can't think of any reasons that aren't pretentious to rank it above Fate of the Furious. So I actually wanted to ask Liz Labaz, oh. Fast and the Furious super fan, if it's okay to rank this. Because like, while Fate of the Furious is a legitimately joyful and blah blah yes. blah movie this one has a lot of joy in it but it's also like more sure more numerous in the emotions that it brings out and more something substitute. that i don't yes. totally know about the ranking is is it rankings of charlie's perform like it depends as on each of us okay yeah. as a charlie's movie yeah i think this is better of course okay. as, um, a movie. as a movie i think maybe this is still better like, right. and I love right. some Fast and the Furious. Twist! Twist! <laughs> Twist! But it's, it's closer. It's much closer. All right. So in that Ask case, me tomorrow, I might have a different That makes it my number four, then. Okay. In that case, just below Cooper and the Two Strings and above Fate of the Furious. So I also struggled with this, and I think of the three of us, I'm the one that's the most adamant about I am ranking Charlize That is this, correct. And Robin is more ranking I'm movies. I'm 100% ranking the movie. And I, I do get just gets my, bonus yeah. points for Charlize. If, yeah. if it's a close call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So similar, similar to Bob, I struggled with Fate of the Furious because I loved that movie, and it was my number one for some time. But I think that Charlize's role in it is so not what makes that movie delightful for me. Yes. Even though she is delightful in it, it's that's not the driving force of the movie. And this movie, I think also for sentimental reasons, like this is my inaugural Charlize mm-hmm. movie. And I think that her scenes in it were like the only scene I distinctly remembered even more than the speech at the end, the two things I remembered about this movie, having not seen it in like 10 years, was the organ bits and the moving sculpture behind him. Yeah. Like, I didn't remember uh, Al Pacino's famous lines until I was watching. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's like, but she stood out to me more than that. So as a result, it is my number three. Ooh. It is below Kubo and the Two Strings and above Fate of the Furious. All right, guys. So that was our 16th episode. Thank you for joining us. Can I... You guys are on for an ulterior motive because you... <laughs> no, we're not. Have no, we're not. us with your devil. It's more ways. like that... that- 
This is a nice coincidence. Yes. <laughs> I would have been on this podcast anytime, if my anywhere. entire <laughs> comedy plugging career had dried up. But as it stands, yes. you yes. have a show. We do. We have two shows coming up That's in right. July. The first is Sketchville, July 22nd. Uh, and then on July 29th, we have a Frankly Scarlet All Made Up show at Arcade Comedy Theater at 8 p.m. That is an improv show that is part short form and part long form. We invite some special guests to play with us. Well, you should come see our show. Come see our show. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Come July 22nd, that. July 29th. Yes. yes. So both at Arcade Comedy Theater. Yes. Yay. All right. Thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Thanks for having Thank us. For having us. You're you know what? I'm a fan of you guys! <laughs> Thank you! And I'm a fan of Alex Reed. Who oh my goodness. So good. Number one fan. Yes. So you should definitely go check out his music or his scholarly writing if that's more your speed. <laughs> and most of all, Thank, thank you, Charlies! Your nipples are never not funny. Wow! <laughs> because of how she, she's always like, my nipples. <laughs> there was a way to phrase that. I'm sorry! Every time something about my nipples comes up, Robin will be like, you can't see me, guys, but... <laughs> Very like, oh, she's rolling. Uh, she's uh, putting her lips to the side and talking out of the corner of her mouth. Oh, I'm sure I'm sorry, I'm something to say. About. One eye is bigger than the other. <laughs> Are you describing her face or nipples? <laughs> <laughs>